So a police officer pulled the driver aside and asked for his license and registration. What's wrong, officer, the driver asked. I didn't go through any red lights, and I certainly wasn't speeding. No, no, you weren't, said the officer, but I saw you waving your fist as you swerved around the lady driving in the left lane, and I further observed your flushed and angry face as you shouted at the driver of the Toyota Camry who cut you off and how you pounded the steering wheel when the traffic came to a stop down at the bridge. Is that a crime, officer? The driver asked. No, but when I saw the Jesus loves you and so do I bumper sticker on the car, I figured this car had to be stolen. On today's leg of our journey to rediscover kindness, we will be taking a closer look at when hypocrisy spoils the way of kindness. Let us listen to God's word for us today. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our scripture reading today is a portion of Jesus' final discourse. In the timeline of Matthew's gospel, it is Tuesday of the last week of Jesus' life, what we refer to and recognize today as the Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus's audience has changed from the religious leaders to his disciples and a crowd of potential followers. Knowing that his time was short, in this final colloquy, Jesus gives warning to his disciples and the gathered crowd. His warning, don't fall into the same sin of hypocrisy as the Pharisees 
and scribes. Jesus' warning of hypocrisy in this passage is three-pronged. First, Jesus recognized the rightful claims of the religious leaders to be exponents of the law. And so as long as they confined themselves to that task, their words, he insisted, were to be respected. His warning was simple. Do not do what they do. The Pharisees and scribes lived a lifestyle contrary to the scripture they themselves proclaimed and became obsessed with an excessive number of man-made rules. The second prong of hypocrisy was that they burdened others with these man-made rules, all while failing to act themselves, failing to help those that they are to be guiding in the faith. As superior taskmasters, the religious frauds established unreachable standards of manufactured holiness that nobody could live up to. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. The religious leaders did nothing to encourage the people's faith, but instead placed heavy burdens on them that produced only guilt and shame. These, however, contrast sharply to Jesus' burden. Matthew tells us that Jesus' burden is light, and his yoke, meaning his teaching, is easy. The religious elite were burden bringers. Jesus was a burden taker. The third accusation of hypocrisy modeled by the scribes and Pharisees was their lack of humility. When in public, they paraded their piety to be seen by the masses and made a production of glorifying God when they knew people were watching. In reality, everything they wore, everywhere they sat, every word they uttered, every act they performed, and every title that they took was actually to glorify themselves. Leadership in the Christian community is to be servant leadership. Here, in the example of the religious leaders, Jesus is reminding us that we should cultivate a servant's heart, and model genuine kindness and humility. The Apostle Paul tells us, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. The way of kindness as a spirit-born fruit is the way we live and not just something we do on Sundays or holy occasions. As followers of Jesus, we need to consider this, that skeptics are scrutinizing us, watching to see whether our walk mimics our talk, as the saying goes. Nothing 
invalidates the way of kindness more than the way of arrogance and hypocrisy. When our walk doesn't sync with our talk, we've got a problem. After a flight from Chicago to New York, Barry Corey began to see this problem within himself. This is the encounter that eventually led to an eye-opening conversation with a friend. Listen as I share his encounter. My seat assignment 29D was on the aisle near the back of the plane. As I boarded, I noticed a handful of Orthodox Jewish men distinctive by their clothes and beards. Just before the doors closed, one last passenger hurried aboard. From the black suit, white fedora on his head and tassels on his belt, the latecomer was obviously Jewish. He took the last open seat on the plane, the middle seat beside me. The moment he sat down, he took out his cell phone to make a call. As he dialed, the flight attendant began her intercom drill. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we request that all mobile phones and electronic devices be turned off. As the voice rolled on, another flight attendant dutifully patrolled the aisle and politely told my neighbor to turn off his phone, as by now, we were pushing back from the gate. He wasn't done. A few minutes later, she came by again, downgrading her politeness to borderline scolding. He quickly clicked off the screen, but didn't hang up. Trick. She passed by. He kept talking discreetly, facing the window seat and hiding the phone behind his beard's bushiness and his fedora's rim. As we taxied, the flight attendant settled across the aisle from me in the jump seat by the galley, oblivious that my neighbor was still on his phone. I felt a peculiar urge of justice to point out his indiscretion. So I did. Holding my pinky to my mouth and my thumb to my ear, I gestured to her that 29E was still on his phone. At that moment, hell had no fury like a flight attendant disobeyed. After the passenger was threatened with a police escort off the plane, he quickly complied and Corey began to witness a different side to his seatmate. He recalled, not long after we took off, my Jewish seatmate stood up, squeezed by me once more, crossed the aisle into the galley, and opened the pouch he was carrying. I discerned it was public prayer time, though he was the only one praying among the smattering of Jewish men on American Airlines Flight 358. His routine was religious. He removed his fedora, revealing his yarmulke, and draped a prayer shawl over his shoulders. Taking the phylacteries from his case, he wrapped them first around his arm and then around his head. For the next 10 minutes, he prayed with all the eagerness of the devout. 
When he said his final amen, I tucked my legs sideways so he could return to his seat. He straightway began reading Hebrew texts, continuing his holy task. Seeing his actions on the phone and then in the galley, I was honestly flummoxed. A few times my lips began to form the words to ask him about what seemed like two starkly different ethics, but I inhaled them before they were spoken. Not long before we landed and shortly after he put away his text, I could hold my question no longer. Excuse me, sir, I said, exhaling the words. May I ask you something? He looked up. You know, I'm not religious like you are, I began somewhat truthfully. I am religious, but not like he is. I'm not judging or anything, I went on trying to soften the defensiveness I anticipated might follow. But I find it a bit interesting, if not ironic, how careful you were to obey all the rules while you prayed but you didn't seem to care about the FAA rules the flight attendant was trying to enforce. As the words were coming out of my mouth, I wondered what had come over me, but the words kept rolling. How do you reconcile obeying religious rules, but not federal airline rules? His retort was quick and protective. I turned off the phone as soon as she told me to turn off the phone. But it didn't happen that way, as I, along with three rows before and behind us, could testify from the flight attendant's third and harshest warning. Our conversation continued about law and freedom and what God had in mind with the laws. By now, he picked up that I was more religious than I had first led him to believe. After the flight, Corey's seatmate headed off to a neighborhood in Brooklyn, and Corey took a cab to Manhattan to meet a friend for dinner. When he arrived at dinner, he told his friend all about the phone, the flight attendant, the phylacteries, and the conversation around Levitical laws. In his own spiritual superiority, Corey made a passing comment about the pretense of the religious man in seat 29E. At this moment, Corey got a check of his own heart when his friend John took the conversation deeper and suggested that as followers of Jesus, perhaps we are all prone to some form of hypocrisy. What Corey witnessed with the Orthodox Jew was symptomatic of us as Christians. If we stop and recall the story of the gentleman in seat 29E, the story is no longer about him, but about ourselves. This is why Jesus tells us, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Just as Corey scrutinized the Jewish man, so we as followers of Jesus are being scrutinized by our increasingly skeptical culture. When we find ourselves in the same situations as Corey and the Jewish man, we should not think on it as a 
gotcha moment, but a lesson and a time to reflect on our own hypocrisy as Christians. The wickedness of hypocrisy is a lethal barrier to the way of kindness. Hypocrisy is Satan's tool for choking out kindness and authenticity, which are two of the very virtues that reveal the grace of Jesus Christ. As we learn from our scripture reading today, the Pharisees and the scribes didn't cultivate servant hearts. They wanted to be served more than they wanted to serve. Their pretense, pride, and ostentatious lifestyles were the furthest thing from bearing a servant's heart. Corey tells us that today, more than ever, our high calling must be a low and humble calling. We need to increase our diligence to love generously as we live out our faith sincerely. We will do well to model winsome voices of conviction for the many who are watching us, whether from the church pews or the office cubicles or the campus yard or from the plane seat next to us. Otherwise, we communicate that our faith is a charade. Corey goes on to say the way of kindness is not cosmetic. It's from the soul. It's not performance, it's purpose. It's not mechanics, it's motive. It's not pretense, it's candor. Friends, we will mess up. Hypocrisy will rear its ugly head in each and every one of us. And when it does, we must be authentic in our acknowledgement of it. Remember that we are name bearers of Christ and authenticity reveals his grace. May we be known as people who demonstrate humility in what we say and in what we do, in what we know and in what we don't know. Humility is what makes us attractive to others. Humility is what makes us receivable to those we encounter. Friends, when we demonstrate this type of behavior, we are demonstrating God's loving kindness. Amen.